This is Distributed Conversations. We talk about the frictionless future using blockchain, connecting us to accelerated progress and richer lives. Here's your host, Warren Whitlock. Warren Whitlock here with today's extraordinary entrepreneur guest who has been a leader in all sorts of things in the past and is currently one of the most forward-thinking smart guys I know in the blockchain space. And so I brought him on. It's Bill Inman. Welcome to the show. Hey, Warren. Thank you. It's nice to be here. Obviously excited like you are to talk about blockchain and maybe give a little bit of practical knowledge to what's happening in the space today. Right. So we often retitle these interviews after we get done, but for now it's being called uh, getting real with blockchain. What's the real future? We have a whole lot of interest over the past couple of years in crypto and is going to replace money and all that's well and good. But I think we're missing the big picture because we go with the idea that anything that's a database or connected to the internet is going to wind up having blockchain. And we need to argue over whether that's 100%, but we know it's going to be a large, large number of things. And how do you separate that? What are the industries that make sense to be putting blockchain on? And are there any that you think are just a long ways off or need not bother? Yeah, good question, Warren. The Gartner hype cycle starts with innovation and kind of goes to a peak. There's a quick acceleration. Then they have what in the hype cycle, what's called the trough of disillusionment, followed by steady growth. Uh, We're in a bit of the trough of disillusionment for blockchain right now. And a lot of that comes from the fintech crypto craze that most everybody knew about specifically through Bitcoin. But I'm fortunate enough to be involved with blockchain since 2017. I recently got my first patent in the space in the human capital vertical uh, for blockchain. And I've been able to see a lot of different use cases for this over time. So excited about that, excited to share. To answer your question, there's definitely wide, almost pervasive uses for blockchain in almost every industry. Now, the challenge has been, and we can talk about this a little bit, is that even celebrity CTOs aren't fully sure how to implement it yet, which we're working with a few who are really tremendous people. So there's a lot of creativity around use cases for that. But directly answer you know, your thought and your question, it's pervasive. I think almost every industry is going to be affected by blockchain. We're just really early. I like to say that anything that has a database is going to end up using blockchain at some point. And I guess we don't need to worry about the definitions, but there's some things that are out there that are distributed, but not blockchain. But are we okay to just blockchain generically then? Yeah, I think that there's validity in this distributed architecture that might not include immutability for sure. I think that not having a pervasive cloud storage entity, whether it be Amazon or Google or Apple, whatever the case may be, there's sense for that. But I think that sticking for this conversation to the compilation of distributed and immutable, aka blockchain, is a way to talk about it. Oh, okay. That's great. Yeah, because separating distributed and immutable, that makes a lot of sense. So then I guess back to my database idea. Wouldn't any database turning into immutable be a good thing? Or there's probably right now some cost factor where I don't need to store my recipe file on a blockchain. But the only example I can think of right now where you're just like, well, the cost benefit ratio is just not there. Right. Well, I'd love to hear about your recipes. Maybe you have a famous, famous chocolate chip cookie there, Warren. Maybe it could be cost benefit. There probably is somebody out there working on a cookie coin. I think you and I have both heard about a beer coin, so I wouldn't say coin is unimaginable. To answer your question with regards to, will every local and cloud database be stored in the blockchain? It's possible, but you know, something stuck with me since I got involved with the industry in 2017, which is basically that we're somewhere in the 90s relative to where the internet was with blockchain. 
Now, cycles and waves happen a lot faster in today's economy than even the 1990s. Although for you and I, Warren, that wasn't that long ago. For some people, maybe listening to this, they weren't born yet when good for you. But I think that there's going to be a transition, Warren, from localized databases and cloud databases over to blockchain use cases. That's going to take a little time. I think it's going to ramp up real quick. And I think that a factor in that is going to be that Web 2.0, which is what a lot of people call the current iteration of the internet, is really takes in data, ingest data from PCs, browsers, mobile phones, and things of that nature. But Web 3.0 will be connected to billions of devices through IoT, Internet of Things, and will be a totally different usage of the internet. So as cars and refrigerators and high-level machines get connected to blockchains, I think that it's going to rapidly switch because people are going to want access to that information, whether through their own personal blockchain, through their company, or even a consortia of data that could come from multiple sources. So over time, we're going to see a quick switch, Warren, I believe, from cloud to... I'm flashing back to spreadsheets. When I first found out how a spreadsheet would work, I thought it was the coolest thing. Visit Calc and, you know, just to play with it and make you change one cell and it calculates the other cell. That was a breakthrough for me where I started thinking about what could be done with it. But I know there was a lot of discussion back there over whether or not you needed it. And today it's like what you want, you just expect that kind of thing to be built into things. Or a more practical example is smartphones. I had a smarter device type phone that I had just bought when the iPhone came out. So I waited a couple of years before I switched over to Apple on the iPhone, the iOS, which was the big put off for me. But I instantly got that I needed the apps on my phone and it could do a lot more. We went through that to the wave of enthusiasm. We got an app for that, that joke. And that went around and business conversations, everybody was building an app. And interesting, here it is 10 years later. And we're talking about, well, yeah, of course you need an app or use an app or, or something like that. How could I get along without a smartphone? And I think that's the kind of adoption we're looking for. And that, of course, crypto is a great example. There's a lot of crypto enthusiasts, but until you can walk into the 7-Eleven and not think about using blockchain, you think about getting the candy bar or soda, you, know, you think about buying something rather than am I going to buy something on Bitcoin or crypto? And that'll come, and it's going to take some adoption time. You talked a bit about data. Do you see that as being the way in for the average investor or company looking to expand or entrepreneur looking to start up? Is how important is it to have either is it control of the data or access to the data? Oh, both. I think that there's ways to monetize data in ways that has never been seen before with blockchain because it will be a more trusted confederation of companies inside of a consortia with governed rules that come through smart contracts that companies and CEOs can trust. Then sharing data with a co-opetition competitor or even a friendly company. And it's very, very scary to do that for companies today. So I think that having data and accessing data is going to be ubiquitous. I think having the data is going to create tremendous valuations for companies that can collect it or already did and can get that data into the blockchain market right away. You know, I still have my Mac Plus. It's in my garage from 1987. Right? I had the original Mac 2, but I don't know where that is, probably with my old Star Wars figures. I also have my iPhone 1, and that thing's about the size of a cookie. And I'm, just to go back to kind of that analogy that you used, I was fascinated as you were moving from a trio or whatever you were back in the iPhone 1 to apps. I'm pretty sure that it was the trio. Yeah, <laughs> good guess. The one with the HPOS where you push it up. And Palm Pilot? Up and yeah, it wasn't a pilot. It was something Palm Pre, I think they were calling it. But very close to what you're talking about. 
Good guess. Was the 90s. My daughter's 20 now, so it's just barely before her birthday. And now kids will think that we're dinosaurs for talking about those things. But I'm proud to have my Mac Plus. It was 512K, 512K external hard drive. And just thinking about the possibilities of having, I can draw my own pictures. I can use Word and things of that nature. So that's where we're at with blockchain. Just to go back to what I was talking about before is the troglodyte, like the, the prehistoric, what do I do with this thing? I'm hearing about from very smart people. And your original question was data access, data generation. I think they're both valid. I think it's really smart. Enterprise companies are all over this to leverage their current data to create new business models in a defensible position before this wave happens. Well, I saw, I saw a demo last week, CES, or whenever that was, a little bit more than that back. Last month, <laughs> air date, oh, I don't know, but not too long ago, I was at CES and I walked by a John Deere booth and they had a tractor in there, a big tractor. The amazing thing is CES is so dense, I had walked past this booth. But I met a friend there, he said, come to John Deere booth and he gave me the coordinates and I go and I go like, oh, wow, I was just here 20 minutes ago. The tractor has an arm on it that's like 60, 80 feet wide. The tractor wheels were taller than me, and somehow I missed it. That's the one thing that stood out about it. There's just so much going on. And just in that booth, we saw three different use cases. The friend I met had flown in because he saw a live stream the day before. He had told me he was skipping CES this year, but he had seen something about a new piece of technology and came down, made a deal, and working on something. And they're talking about satellite data covering the entire Earth where at least once a week, a farmer can get a picture, an exact picture of his land. They give him a map and he draws it out. And the cost on this is like, when they started saying it was a few dollars per acre, something like that. They're running a company doing that. And we're talking about, we're not talking about farms in the Midwest. We're talking about farms in Southeast Asia in areas where you think there's poor people in rice paddies. Nope. They're very sophisticated, being told how to water. The other thing we saw was those nozzles on those long arms have to be changed out for different operations and how much to apply, how many droplets per cubic centimeter. I don't know. The science part and the math part, I'm not sure on it, but you could see the droplets and droplet size, whether or not it was a spray, was all being controlled by these various nozzles. And I said, well, what did you do before this? And he says, well, we had to go to each one across this 60-foot wide thing and change every nozzle so we could put the right kind of spray on there. And now with the satellite data, with the recycling ability, man, that stuff they can do, just much more yield out of the land and good crops and feed us all and all that. And then it's not even talking about the supply chain that we're going to know farm to table where that is. So going back to my spreadsheet metaphor, that's the thing. I knew stuff was coming. I knew we could do things. I didn't really know how to do it. And then the amazing thing is just a couple of years later, I was seeing people doing things on a spreadsheet I didn't imagine possible. So I guess when we rack our brains, talk about the tractor or whatever else, we're just like it's stretching of what, what we know we don't know how to do yet. And then there's a lot more out there. How do you keep track of that? How do you know what's coming and where to go next? Well, I liked your example. Even though I graduated undergrad as a UC Davis Aggie, I'm not in the agricultural business, but I really like the example. So you look at geospatial data, which you were talking about satellites providing to farmers, right? That certainly could be stored in the cloud database for distribution and monetization. But then you start to aggregate. I'm just using your example off the cuff here. 
Then you start to talk about how arid a piece of land is. And then you do that over time. And that data may come from a different source. And that data could be really drilled down, scientific and detailed, but it probably amounts in this temperature and this humidity, you need to put these kind of valves and nozzles on that tractor, right? And that could vary in Asia to Africa to wherever the case the agriculture might be. So one company has the geospatial data. One company has the weather data. One company has the performance data of the tractor, John Deere. And then you add all that data to a consortia that people can access through smart contracts and drill down on. So for example, if John Deere is the valve maker and they probably have a supply chain for that, but let's just say they are, then a farmer can access the data and get, I just want to see how this type of top topography and this type of aridness to the land, what kind of tractor I'm going to need, what kind of nozzles I'm going to need, and how much and what should I put through those nozzles. That's all a perfect use case for blockchain because you're combining data from different cloud sources and you're coming up with something where you don't need to store the entire record from multiple possibly competitive companies in one database. You're just going to hash out what those records say and access them and monetize them as necessary. And it gives farmers the ability to lower risk and an unbelievable amount because they know exactly what they should be doing in their type of land in their country. So great use case there for blockchain. That's what I think about when you mention those kind of things. I thought you were going there with it. No, I mean, I didn't even get to the blockchain part of it. I was just, to me, it's become just like I default to thinking it's going to be on blockchain. But yeah, and that, I think you got a key point there is the shared data. If it's not shared, it's not quite as important. And crypto being the perfect example, I can't give you a dollar online and keep it in my pocket. It has to disappear from my wallet. And it's the same thing here. We need to know who accessed that record. Of course, the metadata on this just blows my mind about knowing who's accessing, why they're accessing. A trail for auditing purposes, or some say we get past needing auditing because everything is audited as it goes in. And then, yeah, where am I going to next buy a farm? What it's worth? But the fascinating thing in that is to hear my friend talk about the finance that he's putting together deals with the tractor company and the distributor who is prepaying, you know, or pre-setting a price, no longer commodity market. We hope it's going to be okay. We know what we're going to get. We're going to control the farm, control what the people do. The farmers out there operating the equipment, which may be totally financed from seed to harvest by another factor. Well, all the problems of farming and the shrieking family farm and all the tales we've heard about agriculture changing in the last century all become controllable. I know when I've seen things like how Purdue sources chickens and the farms they have that are more or less making them employees of Purdue. I'm taking the framing of the documentary I watch, which is leaning towards the we're abusing these people. But no, if you know that data and you share it and you work together and it's open kimono to everybody, we come up with what's going to be working best. And then we just send the satellite searching Africa for a place to replicate two or three times more. You know, there's plenty of land and different conditions. And we can figure out how to, with global warming or whatever climate changes there are, we can figure out what to do. Yeah, I'm so glad you mentioned the eco part of that because that's something I'm really passionate about. I'm an advisor to Model, model United Nations Impact and working on the sustainable development goals. So I think all the things you said without the data, basically companies are going to be non-competitive. The people who are doing the physical work, which in often will be autonomous tractors, right? They're just going to be operators for the data providers on the back end. 
without the data, you're not going to be able to compete from a cost performance perspective. And then those suppliers are going to buy a more expensive, slower type of product. Well, that gets us into the philosophical idea of, are we going to have robots put everybody out of work? Well, no, if productivity is going up, 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 at some place, there's enough gross domestic product in the world to figure out how to take care of everybody. Should be. The Roaring Twenties are going to be a very interesting for emerging technology. And obviously, blockchain has the ability to be the back end, a storage mechanism for that. Right, right. It's a way of connecting this stuff together. That's, again, why I've chosen blockchain over focus on AI and my favorite nanotechnology. That I love all that stuff, but which one really makes sense for putting business together and building something? Blockchain's there. Okay, so Bitcoin falls to zero, the stock market falls to nothing, and all of that stuff's going on. The world of technology is changing. Is there any scenario where you see us saying, no, wait, let's put blockchain off? We're already seeing that because we had the hype of 2017 with blockchain and everybody was all over the word. They thought Bitcoin and blockchain were synonymous. And that, unfortunately, the blockchain became a four-letter word to some degree, even at the CTO level. I think the investor side, the venture side understands the importance of this. So they're not quite as affected because they want to get into a company before the valuation skyrocket. So we're kind of there, of course. And I love that space. Gary Vaynerchuk, basically, I listened to one of his YouTube videos lately. And he said, I'm going to tell you what to do for thought leadership and personal branding. Don't do it because I don't care if you don't do it because I'll do it myself. It's an exciting time in blockchain. There's a lot of smart people in the game. I've talked to authors and business owners and CTOs of enterprise level companies, and they're excited about it, but we haven't seen the influx of talent into the space yet. That's why blockchain, if you look on LinkedIn, a recent report said that one of the hardest skill sets to find is blockchain engineers and architects. So I think that we're in the lowest point right now. I feel it's inevitable for a distributed architecture. Trust is the internet itself is fundamentally under attack because of trust. Distributed immutable helps fight that trust battle. Uh, it allows companies to work together more. And I do feel that, especially in 2020, one of the articles I read recently said that 2019 wasn't necessarily blockchain going away. It was head down implementations of blockchain that we have not seen the releases of just yet. Lucky enough to be an executive at HashCorp, which is a blockchain platform consultancy company. And we've got a half dozen verticals with projects in them now publishing health, sports, human capital, nonprofit, the really exciting projects where we're head down on the use cases, which took some strategy, right? I'm spending a lot of my time just in the past month, I've written 10 documents on use cases for blockchain that are like many business plans that include monetization, right? Because at HashCorp, where fortunately our founder has funded a lot of these projects, accelerated them through a separate accelerator, but we have to find the path to have the fuel for the rocket ship or the revenue. So it's been an exciting month to define all these things. I don't see it going away, Warren. I think that we're just seeing the beginnings of it. Internet 1993, four, five-ish is where we are. And a lot of people back then, as you remember, said, will the internet go away? So something I think I've mentioned on this podcast before, but and probably to you at some point, and full disclosure, if needed, this is my podcast. Everything I do has to do with me doing better in the world. And I'll never lie to you, but in case I don't disclose, doesn't matter. The, dis the disclosure is Bill and I are working together in the publishing vertical. What I've seen is that there's a whole lot of people that got into PCs or the internet or social media and went into some startup that didn't make it, especially, you know, the internet.com bomb. And I don't see the people that stuck at it. They're not farmers now. It's going the other direction. Every skilled person is needed at some point. 
I do see when I'm approached by people telling me they've got blockchain solutions, quite often no credibility. We kind of glossed over, you have a patent. You put some thought into this beyond, uh, beyond, beyond just saying, hang out a shingle and say, we do websites and build houses and oh, by the way, we do blockchain. But how do you differentiate? It's tough because there's a lot of people that really don't have a lot of experience in this. None of us do. I'm seeing that. I'm working with business owners that have millions of database records. They have businesses that are working with the pro sports league on blockchain, working with a healthcare company with tens and tens of thousands of members and have to innovate and noodle with them and strategize on what are we going to do with blockchain? And it's wide open, right? It's totally greenfield. So that part's exciting uh, for sure. So I think it just requires, and it's wide open. It's one of the things I love about this. Yes, I've put a lot of thought into blockchain. Don't get me wrong. In 2017, when I first forayed into the industry, which is late for some, with Bitcoin obviously coming in 2008, 2009-ish, I've I've thought about crypto, right? That was the sexy word. But then quickly realized, I don't understand all of these DJs and stars and everybody attaching themselves to ICOs. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me from a value standpoint. So I think fundamentally looking at where you can generate revenue and value for clients through blockchain. And I'm going to go to the eco-friendly side. So I have a meeting in a couple of days. I'll keep it really high level and a bit anonymous with a manufacturing company. I won't say what industry. And they're really excited about authenticity and traceability for eco-friendly purposes of their product. They actually own the supply chain from the fields all the way to putting brands on their product for distribution. And they want to take every step of that process in manufacturing and blockchain it. It's going to be hard because some of the machines that they use barely have digital calculator kind of readouts on them. So how are we going to pull the data? But we're noodling on that and figuring out how to pull the data so that a consumer who buys the end product can go, there'll be a sign or a tag on a product, which I'm keeping it anonymous. They'll be able to go to a website for any brand that might front it. They'll be able to go to a website, type in a number, scan a QR code, UPC code. A near field is also being embedded in their products too, so people can hold their phone and trace the entire eco-friendly supply chain in that. Additionally, they're excited about, this is manufacturing still, they're excited about the authenticity of proving that their product in the market is what it is from a brand perspective to the end consumer. So they're embedding near field technology into their product so that a consumer on the blockchain can see an immutable record that this was produced by this manufacturer and this is what it is. So they'll differentiate in the market because they have this. They'll be much different than any other manufacturer and win global brands. I think it comes to be expected, just like we expect there to be a Yelp review for every business we go to, that somebody has been there before and will tell us that whether or not we're going to get ripped off. And boy, that's light. That's hardly an immutable record in, in Yelp. But let's not get into those problems. I saw something, a couple of things in the past few days. I saw displays above produce or anything in a supermarket where you could find out more about it. They were talking about AR, but the actual pictures were using some displays. And it just seemed to be ridiculous to put that much effort into building a better place to go to retail and look at it when that all can be done from your phone or your headset or whatever. But the concept of the data was right on. You want to be able to know. People drive Teslas and electric cars because, yeah, yada, 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 that's great for the environment. Or is it? Is there a plant someplace making the batteries polluting more than the gas would? Um, And how do you calculate that? 
remember seeing somebody try to calculate on doing something with light bulbs or some of the very basic things, echo things that we're all told to do. And he tried to do the calculations on it. And, you know, I mean, it was like a replacing light bulb thing where he spent 20 minutes of documentary telling us about it. And at the end, you're just going like, there's just no way we can tell, you know, paper or plastic, which is better. There's so many things in there, but I think more and more we're going to ask for that and we're going to be able to see it. I think you're going to be able to look at a menu and if you flip a switch or use your phone or phone ahead of the restaurant, however you have to get it, they're going to have an echo special where this actually helps the environment every time you order this entree. And it will sell in a completely different way that, you know, it's like, sheesh, your meal is free thanks to carbon credits. Mm-hmm. Right, right. There'll be a reward system for that. Yeah. And all that needs to be tracked in an immutable database. So that's right. That's right. And, and we just haven't done it before. And then everything in the world of contest and frequent flyer rewards and things like that, where we get carried away with making them like banks, but we get to a point where that's just to be expected. What's a rating and what are points you can spend? Like all that's got to be worked out. Well, I think we're providing the world with the spreadsheet and there are going to be a whole lot of calculations done and there's going to be some better things come out of it. So great. Well, I'll tell you one thing I've learned about today, Warren, since you mentioned recipe agriculture and supermarkets, that you might be hungry right now. (laughs) (laughs) But I totally agree with you on the rewards thing. We're working at HashCorp with a company called CarePoint. It's started by a gentleman named Tim Stanley, who has been this, the, a founder and a CTO, not only in casinos, but airlines and things of that nature. He's really passionate about collecting data across the spectrum of wellness and rewarding people for that. So these rewards that have come, whether it's from your Fitbit or for, from, it's from your Cairo or going to the gym or even the Whole Foods supermarket, he's aggregating all that. And we're working with him for the use case to put all that in an immutable record, which then other people can attach their data to and have this one kind of wellness reward. So I think that kind of behavior on the consumer level is going to be key to and an IoT on the business level is going to be key to really having blockchain rocket ship. Right. I remember someone telling me about IoT in a medical office that in the past it's been you put a video camera where the drugs are kept so you can tell if nurse has a habit and <laughs> stealing the drug. But that was employee, like top-down, centralized control idea, security. When you start looking at productivity and what works best, and you find out that you track where an employee is walking, and you're able to tell them, they're able to confirm, yeah, I do have to go through these extra three steps about 14 times a day. And if we could solve that, we'd be more productive. I love that you brought that up through CarePoint and Tim Stanley. Again, we're looking at doctor burnout, which is actually, a, even though everybody's like, well, it's, well, it's the biggest problem in medicine, I think. Yeah, yeah. And that's perfect for an immutable kind of private record to be able to store information from doctors, their work habits. There's a sad face and a happy face on their phone. Did you have a good day today? A lot of it's about them not being treated well, kind of tracking all that and then storing it into a blockchain record that can then ping other different types of HR systems to say this doctor's in jeopardy of burning out or even this employee. So there's so much data that we can aggregate that we can store in the blockchain and just provide some private access to not necessarily all the data, just kind of hash the backend records. So I'm glad you brought that use case up because it's something that we're looking at right now and it's an exciting one. Well, I think the biggest challenge we have in health is that I don't think we'll be able to come up with one health reward system that covers everything. It's just too fast. But I may be wrong. Maybe they will all talk to each other in the future. I've advised company Days, E-A-Y-S, out of Switzerland that their goal is longer term 
And they were really moving fast in 2017. And there was crypto part involved. So they slowed down a little bit because of that. But their goal was on a macro level to make it to where health insurance is completely changed. Because if you have the right kind of information and you're taking care of yourself and you're going to cost a lot less, it's weird because it still allows for pre-existing conditions to be taken care of. The system has enough to make sure that people that need more care get taken care of. But I mean, this existing system does that. We know that. That's just life. But in it for the individual to be able to work with their doctor to achieve better health instead of lack of sickness. And then at some point actually be doing things that end up being a lot less cash having to transfer. And boy, the money and the paperwork is what screws up our healthcare system. We knew doctors were well-fed. If they knew they were well-fed and they just did go out and did their passion of helping people, somehow didn't have to worry about lawsuits and insurance and prepay and repay and billing codes and all that kind of stuff. Boy, you know, there's a utopia type world there, but I think you have to think far out there, things can happen. Well, I think the health is, I went to the health conference in Vegas a few months ago, HLTH, and I attended every single session that had blockchain in it. And at least that was written in the synopsis. And they're very excited about blockchain and health. But one of the panels, which was moderated by Radhika, she's an author in blockchain and so forth. There were a lot of insurers and large healthcare systems that were part, there was five of them. So a lot being five. And they all agreed that blockchain would be good to share data to lower insurance costs. But the problem was that over six months or a year of storing data in a consortia, it's the lawyer saying who owns what and how are we monetizing that? And hold on a second, I didn't know about that. So there's a lot of politics and legalese in traditional healthcare that's going to be roadblocks. And I think the big companies will figure it out. So look for some startups to kind of get in. Obviously, they need to work under HIPAA laws and compliance, but to really disrupt the system because they don't have any speed bumps along the way. Yeah. And I don't think we can build an alternative healthcare system that competes with existing ones. So that's kind of the problem you have. You have to figure out some way to get along with them. We watch governments pass laws about what you can and can't do on everything from the fundraising to the, which some of the ICO stuff needed to be reined in, no doubt about it. But, and then the other things of China deciding they're going to have a national centralized digital currency. And what's the other one that I thought of? Oh, just basically fighting it tooth and nail while they say they support it. Can't think of the other example now, but yeah, it definitely in healthcare. That's all well and good, but I also need to make sure I collect all the money I can into the current system. So tough thing, but tons of opportunities as we chip away with this little thing and that. And as you say, if you build a company that's taking care of a part of it, and then the acquisitions and roll-ups and just interaction of the data, maybe we don't need that. Maybe we don't need the conglomerates, which over time have proven to be less efficient because of uh, politics and whatnot. And maybe it is startups that do something really well and have the one patent. Tell us a little bit more about your patent. Sure. Yeah, I'm excited about it for sure. And there was only about 100 blockchain patents in the US that were actually awarded last year. Not a whole bunch. And so it's a wide open market. But the first company I got into blockchain is a company called Talenting, and it uses blockchain for human capital. And the goal there is to create a FICO-like career score. The gig economy is different than traditional employment. Obviously, we're seeing that with Uber and other ways to do gigs today. And you can't go through a three-week interview process if somebody needs you for a gig in an hour. So there needs to be a speedier way than a resume to basically approve somebody for work. And we believe it's a FICO-like career score for human capital. Obviously, without a FICO score in the US, you're not probably not going to get a loan. And or it's going to be a extremely high usury level interest rate to get that. 
So we are now aggregating, we started with our own app, but we are now aggregating data and our patent basically covers the usage of blockchain data in workforce management, aka human capital. And we'll start layering in data from applicant tracking systems, vendor management systems, background screening systems, payroll systems, and come up with the score. That way, a gig economy company that needs somebody in an hour or somebody virtual can see somebody's score. If it's 750, I trust it. Let's go. If it's 300, hold on a second. Now, there are a bunch of different, obviously, Fair Credit Act and things like that, too, that we're considering and working around. So we're starting very simple with opted in career verifications. Somebody comes in, I'll tell you our business model in a second, which I think is important to this whole thing. But somebody comes in, company asks them to verify their skill sets with their peers. Let's say they're a blockchain developer and been doing it for five years. They would then send out to their blockchain friends, please verify my career in talenting. And the person would say, worked at ABC company? Yes, no. Is a blockchain developer expert five years? Yes, no. And that'll develop a career score for them. But our monetization isn't necessarily the blockchain because nobody's excited about buying blockchain, right? It doesn't really change anything. It's the features and benefits. So the features that we have are we're leveraging that to have people who verify the score to say, I'm interested in a career. And boom, you got yourself a new way to find candidates in blockchain because they're verifying the career skills of their friends. It's a lot like the LinkedIn side, but an immutable record that's around the patent that is culminating in a career score. So super excited about just received that award. And we got a few other patents in process now too. Ratings and review type things are in there, but it's actually closer to KYC and probably don't want to legally define as that. The nice thing about ordering an Uber is in my experience, I've so far, no one's tried to murder me. And standing out on the street with my thumb out, I think I'd be afraid to do that. But pushing a button and letting a stranger pull up and give me a ride is verified just by the little bit that Uber has on him. And I think they're adding some programs. I just saw last week I took an Uber and there was a new thing on there where this driver had been verified in a different way. And sure, they're going to figure out a way to either monetize, charge for that, or give it as some kind of a future benefit in their package. A lot of people would say that the Tesla business model is the data around autonomous driving that they're collecting, not the hardware itself. So for Uber, if you look at them, sure, they're helping facilitate rides, but they're really developing the next generation gig economy employment platform that includes ratings and reviews that can be applied to multiple industries. I mean, they're flexing that in future transportation a little bit with trucks and things like that and delivery. It all has four wheels, but I definitely could see Uber and the name suits that, although there's a lot of challenges there from a mega unicorn status. Phoenixes, the Phoenix status, I guess that basically they have to get through, but they certainly could turn that on for light industrial or for manufacturing or for retail. And they may. I think that's a perfect example of it being some blockchain being something. And as far as I know, Uber is not a blockchain based. Yeah. Cloud-based proprietary with a huge valuation. So. Yeah. But I've seen people working on doing Uber, but distributed. And to me, that's kind of not the point. The point is, We've all switched to the idea that we can push a button and something happens rather than, oh, no, it wouldn't work and it needs to be somebody that's a member of this or whatever. They make the level of entry very simple. I recall the first time I took an Uber of the sensation of going, it's not the hassle of taking a cab. In my lifetime, cabs has not been like a regular everyday thing hardly at all. Bit of time in Southeast Asia, but we won't talk about that. But really, and still there, it was once a week. And so I've had somewhat of a fear. One of my early yellow cab rides was I went to New York, landed at the airport. The guy said, hop in, put three people in, charge it us three times what the going rate was, gypsy cab type of thing. 
Okay, so I lost $14. That's another point of the story. It's I was left thinking, how could I trust that? And the first time I got into an Uber and the guy says, no, you don't tip. You don't have to sign anything. Just get out of the car. You're at your destination. I check because I had this feeling as I'm getting out of the car. Have I done everything right? I think that opens up just the fluidity of being able to do more. And as it says on the name of this show, I'm all about reducing friction. So let's reduce friction in finding Bill. Where do we find out more about you? We've got a corporate site, a personal site. Yeah, BillInman.com, I-N-M-A-N. And I can be found there. And I really do enjoy looking for finding and working with blockchain entrepreneurs so that we can help the world through this amazing technology, which is inevitable. It's a great time from an opportunity perspective and from a creative perspective to be all over it. So love to talk to anybody listening to this podcast that's interested in the space and see what we can do together, or at least learn from each other. Great. And you've been great, Warren. I mean, you've been a tremendous, first of all, it's always amazing to me, the level of stories. I've never heard a story twice from you, which is ridiculous. And then also just your level of knowledge. You know, you've been an innovator and thought leader in multiple spaces now. And I'm so glad that you took Pick Blockchain because I get to work with you in that perspective. And you're learning so much from so many people. It's really valuable. So glad you're doing this podcast and sharing all that. Great. Okay. And of course, you can always find me at warrenwhitlock.com and in the show notes or wherever you found this podcast. Lots more about me. So that's it for today. Thanks for being here. You have been listening to Distributed Conversations with Warren Whitlock. Please share and like. To subscribe, visit distributedconversations.com.